All right, this morning I'm going to preach to you on conflict, biblical peacemaking. Now, we decided to have this time of prayer of revival after a staff retreat in March. So again, these were, I'd love to say I planned this, aren't I? Look at what a great planner I'm. This is God smiling on us. Look at our prayer for this week. Here's the revival prayer for this week. Ask God to deal with any unforgiveness or bitterness among the believers of the church. Unconfessed sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Yet in the context of Ephesians 4, the emphasis is on right relationships in the church. When believers are at odds with each other, the Spirit is grieved. Nothing quenches the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit like broken relationships among believers. Pray that the broken relationships among believers would be healed. Ask Jesus Christ to bind Satan's work through the broken relationships. Call on God to deal with the unforgiveness or bitterness that is grieving the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing that God knew that I would be preaching this message and that he would have us providentially praying this week that there would be peace and peacemaking within our congregation. That always reminds me of how important our prayer time is and how crucial it is that we be praying and that how awesome it is that our God hears our prayers and he's meeting with us. There's one thing I know about this message today. It's an equal opportunity offender, all right? Here's what I know about everybody in this room. You're either in the midst of conflict, you're about to enter into conflict, or you're coming out of conflict. But either way, your life is going to have conflict. And it's crucial that you respond biblically, that you respond rightly, that there be peace, that there be peacemaking that is a part of your life. Now, when you're talking about conflict, the Bible speaks of many different kinds of conflict. There's political conflict. There's it's just a whole list of things. I want to make sure that we're all clear about what, what it is we're delving into this morning. So here's the definition we're going to work off of. Conflict is a disagreement resulting in disunity that causes harm to a relationship. So we're talking about relational conflict. And that, that conflict... Um, can happen on many different levels and and you know we got to realize and remember now that that some some you know conflict it 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 often comes because of something someone said something someone did or something that made another person maybe someone you care about hurt now there's that's kind of usually kind of what we see and that's usually kind of the 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 flame of, of the explosion of conflict you got to also realize that sometimes that that happens, people do those things inadvertently. You know, they, they, didn't, they didn't actually mean to say it that way. They didn't actually mean to do it that way. And there's sometimes, friends, you just overlook the offense. There are times when, when you just say, you know what? It was a bad day. It was a bad moment. I'm not going to hold this against them. We're going to just move on. I'm going to overlook this offense. You realize that sometimes someone says something that's, that's irrational. It's a rash moment. And you just say, you know what? I'm going to chalk that up to a bad day to, you know, who has ever been hangry? Yeah, all kinds of conflict. If, if we would just eat more M&Ms, the world would be a better place. But, but, you know, there are those times, though, when a person acts on anger and actually considers it, knows the harm. And, and in those moments when there is hurt, it's got to be dealt with. You got you to deal with conflict. So what is the antidote? That's what I want to talk about today. Here's the antidote for conflict. The antidote for conflict, three things to note. First of all, it's just forgiveness. It's just flat out forgiveness. It's seeking and giving forgiveness. It's through biblical peacemaking. It's through biblical peacemaking. And so it's not that we just 
kind of sort of forgive. No, we do what the Bible says. There is a biblical mandate, and we're going to see that today. But understand, it's made possible by the power of the gospel. If you have not experienced the power of the gospel, what I'm going to talk about today, you can't do. You don't have the capacity because you're not right with God. And here's what I know about you. If you're not right with God, you're not right with Him. And if you're not right with yourself, you're sure not going to be right with other people. And so today, as we're talking, it may very well be that you have come here today so that you can experience the power of the gospel. And I pray that you will. And I I pray also and have been praying this week that all of us who have believed the gospel will now exercise the power of that gospel through biblical peacemaking and experience peace. Again, when we talk about the three circles, and boy, don't we talk about those. You're talking about brokenness, right? Where does that come from? Sin. Where do broken relationships come from? Sin. Now, what did God do? At great expense to himself, he entered into our world so that we could repent and believe and have forgiveness and gain new life. It's expensive. Forgiveness is expensive. If you're going to forgive, it's going to cost you. It costs God to forgive you. And so understand, if you receive the benefits of of God's blessing of forgiveness, you're mandated by his word to forgive others. And and again, as we're going to see in the word today, that that it's actually the blessing is to us, ultimately, in in, in so many ways. And and so we've got to be able to exercise this understanding what God has done for us. And that's what our scripture shows us. So if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Matthew chapter 18. Now, Matthew chapter 18 For those who are in counseling, those who are in um, pastoral biblical leadership, we often refer to what I'm going to teach you today as simply the Matthew 18 principle. Uh, Matthew 18 is known as that fundamental chapter for biblical peacemaking. Uh, Sydney's going to read the parable that Jesus told along with this command. We're going to look at it in just a moment. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 18, and Sydney is going to read the parable of Jesus that he tells in light of our command to, to forgive. So Sydney, read uh, 21 through 35 for us. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owned, owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell to his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him, forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke them, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I have mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. 
The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Sydney. Well done. If you would, go ahead and be seated. So the, the, the point of the parable is, is quite clear. Every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we have offended the one true, holy, eternal God. And the cost of our treason, the cost of our sin is an eternal just payment. We owe God more than we could pay in our single lifetime. We cannot make up for our sin debt in a single lifetime. We cannot do it. When, the, when Jesus used this, this parable, the amount that that servant owed was more than an individual could pay in a single lifetime. That was the point. We owe God more than we could ever pay in a lifetime. So it will take all of eternity because he is an eternal holy God for us who are not forgiven in Christ Jesus to pay the debt that we owe for our treason, for our sin. But in grace, Jesus Christ has forgiven us. And the point of it is this, if God ha has forgiven you an eternal payment that you couldn't make in your lifetime, then you are responsible to forgive someone who has sinned against you in your lifetime. Understanding that the cost is so, so much less. Realizing what God has given you is an eternal debt paid. You can give a lifetime debt paid. You can, you can forgive. Now understand, it will cost you. It will cost you being able to hold a grudge. It will cost you being able to bring it up. It will cost you being able to, to say, talk about it whenever you want to, to get the upper hand. When you forgive, you forgive. You say to the other person, I forgive you. I will not bring this up again. I will not hold this up against you. I will not allow this to interfere in our relationship at all. That's what forgiveness is. It's not, ah, okay, no big deal. No, no, no. It's, I will not bring this up. I will not hold this against you. I will not allow this to harm our relationship going forward. That's what God gave to us. When Jesus Christ died for our sins and we received his forgiveness, he made our relationship with him right. So now we can be right with God and right within. And now we have, through the power of the gospel, we have the power and freedom and responsibility to forgive others, to be right with them. Now, what does that look like in the real world? What does that look like in real life? That's what I want us to see. First, I want you to understand how serious this is. Jesus isn't requesting that we forgive. He's demanding that we forgive. And don't miss the warning. Jesus said, if you won't forgive, there is a serious consequence to that. Look what he said. This is at the end of, of the chapter. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all of his debt. So also, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Not if you say I forgive you. No, no, no. If you don't forgive from the heart, there will be dire, serious consequences from God concerning you and your soul so this is very serious stuff don't blow this off don't 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 try to pretend that it's not real in you it's real for every person in this room because you're either in conflict you're coming out of conflict or you're about to get into conflict and this applies to every single one of us the big question I want to to show you is how the Bible shows us how. I'm going to show you several scriptures and, and make some, some very fundamental points 
And then hopefully through illustration and the Holy Spirit, there will be an understanding and a realization of the, of the need to turn to the Lord. So first of all, take note of this. Peace is possible through a gospel-powered process. It's called godly peacemaking. This process is, is, is step-by-step laid out for us here in Matthew 18. Go back to verse 15. Go back to verse 15. There are four steps. Hopefully we, can, we will avoid the fourth step. Hopefully we can just take the first step and that will do it. But if that doesn't work, the Lord gives us uh, other steps that have to be taken until peace or church discipline are exercised. So let's look at this together. Beginning of verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Look at this. Between you and him alone. That means if you find fault with someone, you don't need to go on Facebook and tell everybody, I have found fault with this person and then try and go talk with them. This means that you don't call your mama and tell her that you're in conflict with someone. Your mama does not need to be the first person you call when you're in conflict. The person you're in in conflict with is the person you need to call. Here's what you need to understand. When you call your mama and get her involved, it makes it very difficult for there to be forgiveness. You want to know why? Because mamas don't forget. And so there may be a mutual forgiveness between you and the person who's offended you, But mama won't forget. Now dad will. Spiritual gift of men. (laughs) You could tell him, he probably won't even care. But you tell your mother, now you've done something. It has to be between two people. You and the other person. Alone. You deal with it. Well, what if that doesn't work? Next step. If he listens to you, gain your brother. Touchdown. If not, verse 16. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So then you got to get other people, respected people. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. There's nothing that could be said worse of a person in that community in that day. So understand... These very simple but significant and sometimes terrifying steps must be taken. Now, I realize some of you are like, I don't know if I can do this. I get it. I get it. It's hard. Because what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to expound. You're going to have to use energy. Those of you who have been around here for a while, you've heard me talk about these three sources of energy that we all need to constantly monitor within ourselves. There's mental energy, there's physical energy, and then there's emotional energy. Understand, when you're in conflict and you begin to deal with that conflict, you're going to burn all three. Mental, physical, and emotional energy. You need to be very mindful of your emotional energy. If you ever hit zero on your emotional energy tank, it doesn't matter how much mental and physical energy you have, you're going to collapse, you're going to fall out. So understand, if you're in conflict, what you're doing is you're draining emotional energy. And when it comes time to deal with the conflict, you need to make sure you have enough. You need to make sure you're prayed up and you're ready. Because for some of you, it is a terrifying task to go to someone and point their sin out and to say, you have offended me and we are in conflict and this needs to be solved. Now, if it it can't be, if, if if there cannot be resolution, then you gotta get other people involved. And that can be really tough because it can be very embarrassing. See, when it's just the two of you, there's, there's some level of confidentiality that needs to always be respected. But, but I've been brought into s- situations with friends where they brought me in as a Christian, not as a pastor, 
to, to, to voice the concern. And, and I was there as a witness and to speak into the situation. And, and some of those situations are terribly embarrassing. They're embarrassing for the person. They're embarrassing sometimes for the person that gets brought into it. It's better to solve it between two. But no matter how painful it is, if you are called upon, your responsibility to God is to step in and help in providing peacemaking. It can not only be embarrassing, it also can be very, very painful. And it will, again, take mental, uh, uh, physical, and emotional energy. Now, if that doesn't work, you got to tell the church. And at Living Hope, that means that you tell the elders. And when the elders get involved, we will then begin to work through a very difficult process. It's difficult for us. As a matter of fact, we were training uh, two elders. I'm going to be presenting their names to you in a couple of weeks. And uh, a month or so ago, as a part of their preparation uh, to make sure they're called to be elders, we did the, the uh, open dialogue about the challenge of being an elder. One of the greatest challenges of being an elder is having to step in and provide leadership when there's conflict amongst church members. It's very painful. And, and we shared that night over a couple of hours the, the scenarios and situations that we've been called into and that we've had to deal with. Sometimes there's been success, sometimes there's been failure. There's always pain. And one of the most painful and challenging things that we have to do as elders is deal with conflict. And, and it's so important, though, that we as God's people be willing to do, no matter what it is, we do it and we obey. Now, sometimes you're going to need help. I'm so grateful for the response that I received. Some of you are very concerned with me. I shared a video last week of me on a smoking lawnmower. And I was glad to bring laughter to so many lives. Still had people during the middle of the week telling them it made their week to see that video and they would like a copy. And we're not giving copies out. You miss church, you miss it. So, but I, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for the many people who said, I will help you. I will help you change the oil. I will help you do anything mechanical because I don't want you to die. And I appreciate that. I really do. So here's the thing I want to say to you. When you're dealing with conflict, you may need help. Good news. We have it. If you're in conflict or if you know someone who's in conflict, Go to livinghopecares, livinghopecares.org. Here's what you'll see. You'll see our web, that website. Three ways that you can receive help. Biblical counseling, pregnancy, care classes. If you, you want uh, help with peacemaking, click on biblical counseling. It will take you to this page. It says click here to request reconciliation. Click there. There will be a form that will come up and it will give you opportunity to explain. We have trained counselors who can walk you or someone you care about through biblical peacemaking. We understand this is hard. We understand that you may not have the training and expertise to deal with the situation. We do. That's why we're here. So please get the help that you need to be able to do what God commands. Second thing, peace is possible through a gospel-powered purpose. What's the purpose? To glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Friends, life is easy when you live for the glory of God. Life is complicated when you have to live for your comfort. When you have to live for, for your reputation, for, for your appearances. Life gets very, very stressful and disorderly. When we choose to live for God's glory, we become more like Christ. And we're free. When, when we... 
when we choose to live for God's glory, we can say, and I, I heard this from Eugene Peterson, we can say this, when we're living for God's glory, we can say, I will not try to run my own life or the lives of others. That is God's business. I will not pretend to invent the meaning of the universe. I will accept what God has shown its meaning to be. I will not strut about demanding that I be treated as the center of my family or my neighborhood or my work, but seek to discover where I fit and do what I'm good at. The soul, clamoring for attention and arrogantly parading its importance, is calmed and quieted so that it can, can be itself truly. This is what living for the glory of God does. It calms the soul. It enables us to be free to say, I'm simply doing what my dad told me to do. I tell my children all the time, blame me. If someone says, hey, we're going to go do this. Hey, let's say this. Hey, let's go be here. And they know they're not supposed to. All they have to do is... I can't. My dad said I can't. I want to. I want to go with you. But look, my dad said I can't. And then when they say something silly like he'll never find out, they can say, do you know who my dad is? <laughs> Here's what I would do. This is what I do. When it comes to peacemaking, there are times it's so difficult. And there's people who will say things like, you know, we don't need to do this. We don't know to get into this. This may very, be very horrible. You know, it's so easy to be able to say. It's just so comforting to me to be able to say, you know what? I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't agree with it. I just, I, I get it. But my dad said we have to, so we're going to. It's all about God's glory. It's not about my comfort. It's not about you being right or wrong. It's about doing what God said. That's liberating. You know, when you just come to the point where you've decided in your life, I'm going to glorify God, you know how much emotional strain that, that saves you? How much mental strain that saves you? You don't have to think about it. It's, does it glorify God, yes or no? I do it. Is this what God told me to do? That's what I'm going to do. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to process it emotionally. All I have to do is do it. Third, peace is possible through a gospel-powered perspective. Get the log out of your own eyes, what Jesus said. This is hilarious. I think this is Jesus being funny, being truthful, but being funny in the Sermon on the Mount. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? I just picture people laughing when they heard that. I think they picture some dude walking around with a big log trying to get a speck out of somebody else's eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's the, the log in your, in your, in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Understand, it takes two people to cause a conflict and there's always fault on both sides. There is always fault. Ken Sandy says it like this. By the way, if you want a resource on peacemaking, read Ken Sandy's book. There's a simple like cliff note version. It's a small red book. And then there's his big, and it's a kind of a light brown tan, uh, both in paperback, both outstanding. This is the guy that we have leaned on for over a decade now, and, and those at Peacemaking International. Here's what he says. You may only be responsible for 1% of the conflict, but you are 100% responsible for your 1%. You may only have the spec, but you're completely responsible for that spec. And understand there's always two sides to it. I remember years ago uh, trying to raise money for a parachurch organization, and I contacted uh, two men, real estate guys. And I said, I need your help. And one of the guys said, well, we're not speaking. So why aren't you speaking? He said, well, I tried to talk to him. He turned his back on and wouldn't even speak to me. So I called the other guy. I said, hey, why won't you speak to that guy? He said, you know, I was right in the middle of a deal. I was almost done with the deal, and he came and, and he stole it out from underneath me. 
So no, I'm not going to speak to him. And I said, he's your brother in Christ. You are going to speak to him. So I had him meet at Starbucks. And I said, here's the deal. Y'all need to work this out right now. I'll be on the other side of the room in case a fight breaks out. Otherwise, <laughs> deal with it. Why? Because they've got to deal with it alone. That's the first step. They've got to deal with it alone. Fight breaks out. I step in. Now I'm involved. I'll get some other guys, bigger guys, right? And then we all get involved. That's the way it works. Well, you know what? They forgave each other. They realized both of them were at fault. Both of them were at fault. And you know what? They, they're now great friends. And you know what? We raised a lot of money for God. And it was fun. It was fun. And there's something liberated that happens when we do what God commands, when we just step in. Now, understand, when we do it, when we do peacemaking, it's the right thing. You've got to do it the right way. I cannot tell you how many well-intentioned Christians who've stepped into the arena one way or another, with, with righteous indignation, speaking to what is morally correct, but because they did it the wrong ways, they caused more harm. Remember, what you stand for has got to be right, and how you stand for it must be right. Not only must you be standing on the right, you must do it the right way. God has a plan for that, and it, it involves this fourth thing. So write it down. Peace is possible through a, a gospel-powered practice, gently engaging others. If you are a parent or a leader in any way, you need to know Galatians 6.1. You need to know it and you need to, you need to exercise it. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves lest you too be tempted. If you are a parent, you're dealing with sinners. And you're going to have to correct them. Do it gently. If you're a leader, you're going to deal with sinners. Do it gently. Don't fall into pride. Don't fall into their sin. Understand how easy it is to fall into that sin. How easy it is to fall into the sin of pride and thinking you've got it all figured out. And beat people up. Realize that you've got to have two tools. Grace and truth. When it comes to resolving conflict, you've got to have both grace and truth. Now remember this. Without grace, truth is a weapon. So you may come at someone and say, hey, I just want to have biblical peacemaking. Here's truth and bludgeon them. That does not honor God. That is not God glorifying. It may satisfy your wrath, but it doesn't glorify God. No, 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 no. You've got to have grace with the truth. But without truth, grace... Grace is irrelevant. If you're not willing to say, here's your sin, if there's not a, a recognizable sin to repent of, grace is irrelevant. That's why a lot of people don't, don't perceive themselves as needing a Savior because they don't even believe in the idea of sin anymore. They think that it's about therapeutic deism. It's about how I feel. Forget that. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says there's a thing called sin. And where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So without truth, you'll never know what sin is. Without grace, all truth is, is a weapon. We have to do what Jesus did. How did Jesus approach us? Look what it says in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Look at this. Full of grace and truth. That's what we must be full of. Grace and truth. As we're seeking to resolve conflict with biblical peacemaking. The last thing 
is a gospel-powered pursuit. We got to go and be reconciled. We actually have to do it. Ephesians 4, uh, 1 through 3, I'm going to start in verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That is the pursuit. Now, I would love to tell you that every time we've stepped in to resolve conflict here, we've been successful, but that would be a lie. You may have the right heart and you may do it the right way and it still may not result in peace. But that's not your responsibility. Remember Romans 12, 18. Remember this. Know this verse. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You can't control what other people are going to do. All you can do is control what you're going to do. And what God commands you to do, commands me to do, commands all of his people to do, is to live peaceably. That means we have to obey his word and we have to do biblical peacemaking. Realize that means that there's going to have to be forgiveness sought and given. That means you're going to have to go to people who maybe don't want to hear from you and say, here's your sin I'm willing to forgive you. I'm, I'm coming with grace. But you've got to repent. It's hard. It may be that you're the one who needs to forgive. Please understand what you're doing when you refuse to forgive. I don't know who said this. If you can tell me, let me know. Being unwilling to forgive someone is like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. Some of you are sitting here today, some of you are listening right now, and there is someone that you need to have already forgiven by now, and you haven't. And here's what you're doing. You're drinking poison, hoping they get sick. And you know what? They never do. But you know who does? You. Because unforgiveness is poison to your soul. It's poison. What's the smart play here? What's the smart step right now for you? First of all, if you have not received forgiveness through Christ, get it now. You need to have a right relationship with God because until you're right with Him, you won't be right within. If you're not right within, you can't be right with others. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must forgive. You must obey the Father and you must pursue biblical peacemaking. Say, I don't like it. Here's good news for you. It doesn't matter what you like. God has commanded it. Do it. Now, you may need help. We're here. Do you know, you know what the most powerful help you can get? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. We did a whole series a few months ago on the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit can, can do things that you can't imagine. Why don't you get on your knees today and ask the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work in you and in the person that, that you have conflict with? And if you're a leader this morning, please come pray for our church. Come grab your bulletin and let's pray for our church to be a place of biblical peacemaking. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord God, it doesn't take a genius to know that in this room there is, in relationships, conflict. Lord, we're all dealing with it, have dealt with it, will deal with it. Would you allow us the peace, the comfort, the healing 
to give and receive forgiveness through biblical peacemaking by the power of the gospel. God, I pray for some who need to receive the gospel. Powers work today by faith. Others who, who need to come and ask for strength. Others ask for God's redemptive work, your work, Holy Spirit. Come and pray.